0: Open up your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5. We're going to sit in that one chapter for the rest of our message today. It's a story about Naaman. And so what we're going to do over the next two weeks, this week we're looking at an Old Testament story, next week a New Testament story, next week we're going to talk about the foundation, the seed of what makes a grateful heart. But in this story, Naaman had some challenges in his life and then he, he turns to God And then he receives, you know, blessing and he just wants to be grateful, thankful for everything that God has done for him. So we're going to look through this message. And now in Colossians, before we go into the story, Colossians chapter 3, look at this verses 15 through 17. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. That's not easy to do, is it? to always, anybody always thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So three times in this passage she says you need to always be thankful and then you need to have a thankful heart and then you need to always be giving thanks and so this is a message that we want to talk about today so second kings chapter five the very first thing we're going to see out of verse one is that naaman had some personal challenges And his life, uh, and and for him, it was physical. I don't know what physical challenges you bring today. I don't know what spiritual challenges, emotional, relationship, financial, but I know there are challenges in your life. Because if you live life, you're gonna have some challenges, right? So let's, let's look at his and see what he did, where he turned and what happened. Chapter five, verse one. The king of Aram, which is now what we call Syria, had a great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army. Because through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. Now, leprosy is this skin disease, as you probably know. In most cases, anyone who had leprosy could not go anywhere in public. They couldn't get around a people in public. Apparently, Naaman could be in public. He could go and fight with an army. As you'll see in the next couple of verses, he had a wife, he had a home, and, but if you had leprosy, there was this: I, if you get, if you touch somebody, if you get around them, and if you come in contact with it, you will also get leprosy. So even though he could be around people, he couldn't touch people. They couldn't get close to him. I can be around you, but I can't get close to you because I'm afraid that I'll. It, when, when we have the flu and during flu season, right, you understand keeping distance. What would it be like if everywhere you went, people had to keep distance from you, even in your home? What's it like to be able to be close to people, but not intimate, not, yeah, I'm around them, but I can't get close to them. That's Naaman. And so you can imagine it's more than just a skin disease. It's a relationship thing. I know he longed to have a hug, to have closeness, to shake hands, to be close with people, to be personal with people. And so that was his personal challenge. And so now as we begin to read it, and and his king loved him. And we're gonna see that his king really wanted to help him. Meanwhile, number two, Naaman bravely pursues the thing of God. At this time, The Armenian raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. Now, I'm going to read the whole story here. I don't have all of the scriptures up on slide, so open it up in your phone or get your Bible out. That'd be the best. Just bring your Bible with you to church, right? It's a good thing to read the Word of God. So, So here's this young servant girl, teenage girl, And life for her was not turning out the way she expected. You never expect that one day somebody's going to raid your home and take you captive to be a slave in a foreign country. But that's what happened to this young teenage girl. And so now she's a slave. She's a servant girl. And one day, the girl says to her mistress, mistress Naaman's wife, and so listen to her spirit. Oh, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. Does this young girl seem to have a better heart? Can you imagine that? Your life's not turning out the way you thought. You've been taken in as a slave, and yet you still have a grateful heart. So Naaman hears this. I guess his wife told him. And the next verse it says, So one day, oh, the, I wish he would uh, go and get his healing. So Naaman told the king what the young girl of Israel had said. Okay, so pause. So the king of Aram worshiped a different god. He worshiped the god Ramon. You'll see it later on in the story. And so for him to go to the king and say, there is another god more powerful than your god. There is another kingdom more powerful than your kingdom." I won't receive what I need here, but I hear that if I go over there, then that God is more powerful and he can heal me. Now, to make such a request could have had him killed. The king could have said, how dare you disrespect me like that? How dare you disrespect my God like that? But he didn't. It was, it was a brave thing for Naaman to do, but don't you do brave things when you believe that your life expectancy depends on it? I mean, don't we run after all kinds of... I, I know even for my father, when he was going through all of his cancer treatments, he got to the end, to where there was nothing else, all of the approved medications and all the approved processes and procedures could do. And so he started going into all of these... Well, when when your situation gets so dire maybe we'll go after some of these things that we're just testing and trying to see if they can have an effect on you it will help us in our research and for those of you who've been through something like that you know exactly what I'm talking about and so this is Naaman's situation so he bravely goes before the king now the next part of the story before you get to number three this just find out what happened so go and visit the prophet the king of Aram told him And I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to Israel. So Naaman started out. And Naaman anticipated that he might receive healing. And so he took gifts with him. If you're reading, so Naaman started out carrying gifts. 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. Who would want to receive that gift? Anyone besides me? I mean, hey, I got a little gift for you. It's not a big deal. 750 pounds of silver and 150 pounds of gold and 10, you know, change of excellent royalty clothing. The letter of the king of Israel said this. With this letter, I present my servant servant Naaman and I want you to heal him of his leprosy. Wow, so the king was very clear. So Naaman starts off on his journey. He goes over to Israel. He goes down to Samaria, and he sees the king in Israel. Verse 7, when the king of Israel read the letter, how do you think the king of Israel is going to reply? You would think he would reply well. He tore his clothing in dismay and said, am I God that I can give life and take it away why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. Wow. King, you have everything a person would ever want. But you sure don't have a spirit of thankfulness. Have you ever known anybody like that? They've got they've got everything that a person could want, and all they do is complain. They've got everything they could possibly need, but they always look for the bad in other people and their own life. Do you like being around people like that? Is it a waste to you? How can someone be given that much and still walk away with something less than a spirit of thankfulness? But that was the king of Israel. He wasn't grateful at all, he didn't like it at all. Now, maybe he had been wounded. Maybe he was mad because the king of Aram could invade him anytime he wants and he would always win. I don't know what spirit he was carrying or why he was so mad, but he was. But verse 8, but Elisha, the man of God, pause. I just love that about the Bible, you know, when, uh, when God's one, he's, he's the one writing the story through the Holy Spirit, right? And so he's writing the story and he says, but Elisha, pause, the man of God. Man, my man. <laughs> now, if, if a title went behind your name, what kind of title would you receive? But Rick, the man who always complains, the man who's weird, the guy that, the one who struggles with, what would be after your name? I mean, if they were writing a story about you. But Elisha, who wouldn't want to be called the man of God, the woman of God? Heard about the king of Israel tearing his clothes in dismay and he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send them to me and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. Wow. Amen. This is an opportunity. God, it's, it, if you don't like him because of what he's done, then change things. What was it? Suzanne was telling me the other day that Kelly Clarkson said, if you're having a bad day, Change it. It may can be that easy. Because you have choice. Amen? Amen. Just send him to me. And he'll learn that there is a God in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. This is the part I like about the story the most. So here's Naaman. He goes all that distance. He goes all the way. He gets to Elisha's house. And he just sits outside and waits. He's there Part of his army is there. All of his gifts are there. Everybody's he's just waiting and waiting and waiting. But Elisha sent a messenger out with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River and then your skin will be restored and you will be healed from your leprosy. Good news or bad news? Good news. Is Naaman like it or does he not like it? So this next part of Scripture really shocks me. It just baffles me. But the outline I put, it says, Naaman allows his perception to halt his transformation. See, Naaman, he had in his mind what he thought should happen. And when it didn't happen that way, he thought he had a right to get mad. Well, I went to that church And they didn't treat me. No one said a word. I can't believe. I'm never going back. How could God do this to me? There are people who carry all kinds of perceptions and justify the, the, the bitterness in their heart because it didn't look like what they thought. Now, what did Naaman think it should look like? Verse 11. But Naaman became angry and stalked away i thought he would certainly come out to meet me how disrespectful right he said i expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the lord his god and heal me <laughs> aren't the rivers of damascus the abana the Farpar, better than any of the rivers of israel why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman I turned and went away in a rage. <laughs> he had this perception. At least he's going to come out and see me. At least he's going to shake my hand, hug my neck, tell me that he's a pastor, and say, "Greet me well." And we're going to talk about some things. We're going to sip some tea or drink some coffee, and we're going to share. Tell me your story. I didn't get any of that. And then I thought he was going to do that religious stuff. He's going to wave his hands and raise his name, and he's going to call out, and he's going to say this stuff and do all this stuff. It is funny sometimes. Not really funny. It's sad how a show of religion is more important than the real work of God. Now, I don't want to make fun of any church, but let me, this, let me tell you this about us. We don't ever want to fake something of God. Ever, ever, ever. We don't want to fake something of God. And I believe God is so simple. He's just so simple. God's not, you know, he, you know, God was, remember when Elijah was looking for God? And he's like, well, he wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the, you know, the hurricane. He wasn't in the earthquake. he, He was just in, this was Elisha, he was just in the silent voice, the still whisper of God. And so, This is not about show. It's not about churchy stuff. It's just about the simple nature of what God wants to do. And Elisha's not there to draw attention to himself. Nobody heals but God. I don't care where you go. Only God can bring real healing. Amen? And so, Naaman goes away in a rage. Because it wasn't what he thought should happen. But then Naaman begins to receive his obedience. Look at what the soldier said in verse 13. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should just certainly obey him when he says simply, Go and wash and be cured. And they turned his spirit. So verse 14, this is where Naaman receives his healing. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River, dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Who would not want that kind of healing? <laughs> right? I mean, that would be, wow. God did, when God does something, he does something. He's not just going to heal you. He's going to heal you. And and Naaman didn't ask for it. He just asked for the leprosy to be removed. He didn't ask to look like a 25-year-old again. But God is good. God's like, man, you're going to look young. You're going to get home and your wife's going to go, hallelujah to that. (laughs) Wow. So out of this, Naaman returns. Now he is thankful and changed. I mean, God did something amazing. And now you can see his whole spirit changes. His whole attitude changes. He now, this is not about his perception of what God is. He's experienced God. And everything inside him changes. Verse 15. Then Naaman and his entire party went back and found the man of God. They stood before him and Naaman said, Now I know That there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. All he wanted to do was give. He's so grateful. He's so so thankful for what God has done for him. All he wants to do now is just say thank you. I want to say, "I, I would give you everything because of what God has given me. Man, anybody like that? Anybody went to God in pain, with challenges, hurting, wounded, needing your sin to be removed? the consequences of your poor decisions to be changed, and God was faithful to you? Does, is there not something inside you that just wants to give up everything because of your gratefulness to God? Anyone? Is that not true? I mean, is this room full of a bunch of grateful people for what God has done? Are you so, Are you so grateful for what God has done for you that you're willing to give up anything just to say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you did for me. It's no longer about me now. I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to constantly look and nitpick and be... All I want to do is walk with a grateful heart for what you've done for me. So that's what we're looking for. That's Now, if you're not there yet, man, that's what God is trying to do inside you. Because we still carry this bitterness. It could almost be... Now it's like Naaman versus the king of Israel The king of Israel had everything. Access to God, power, wisdom. He had everything. Riches, family, everything. But a grateful spirit. No wonder he was always defeated. But Elisha replied, look at this about Elisha. As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. Wow, it's like man, I've got God. I don't I don't need anything else. You you can keep you you can keep your gifts. God gives me everything I need. And though Naaman urged him to take the gift, Elisha refused. Then Naaman said, "All right. But please allow me to load two of my mules with earth from this place, and I will take it back home with me." From now on, I will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other God except the Lord. Pause, because that just sounds weird. Just, would you let me, I got a big old cart out. Would you let me just fill up the cart with dirt from this place? Now, this was the common, this was the common belief back then. Is that there, the gods were gods over territory. There was the God over Syria. There was the God over Israel. There was the God over Iran, Iraq, or, or Babylon, or Assyria. They all, they all had different gods. There was a God over Egypt. They were all different gods. And so when one God from one place would go and raid another place, whoever won the victory, that God was more powerful. But it wasn't God over all the world. When he declared, now I know there's only one God And he's God over all the world. He's beginning to have his eyes open, but he still believes that he's the God over dirt. So let me take some dirt. I'm going to take it back to my home. I'm going to put it on the ground. And every time I offer sacrifices, I'm going to offer the sacrifices over that dirt. As a symbol that I believe in the one true God over all the world. And he may have been doing it as a witness to all the other people who he will get to speak to about how God had healed him, right? But that was the idea. And so when he says, just let me take some earth, let me take some dirt back with me. I, that, I'm taking God, your God back with me. And just to be safe, just to make sure that if he's a God over dirt, I'm taking dirt. But I'm taking your God back with me. And then he goes further. However, may the Lord pardon me in this one thing, when my master, the king, goes to the temple of the god Ramon, the god Ramon, the god of earth, wind, and fire. Right, and so, and so it's it, it was a god, and and the symbol was was thunder. So every time it would thunder, it was the they would believe it was their god talking to them about humble yourself before me now, worship me now, I will bless you now. And so that was their belief back then. But whenever my master, the king, goes into the temple of the God of Ramon to worship there and leans on my arm, may the Lord pardon me when I bow too. It's his way of saying, when I bow with the king, I'm not going to be bowing to that God. I'm going to be bowing to your God. But may he pardon me for bowing out of respect for my king. And Elisha said, go in peace. So Naaman started home again. Man, what a great story. What a great story. That here's someone who does not believe that they deserve the blessing of God. I'm not living in Israel. I don't worship your God. My life does not reflect the things of your God. I just have a challenge. I have a physical challenge. But he took the chance to run after God. And I know there are people here today who probably believe that why should God heal me? I don't don't worship God. I don't go to church regularly. If you were to look at my life, I don't reflect the things of God all day long. I don't spend any time in the word of God. I rarely pray except when I'm in trouble. Why should God heal someone like me? This story's for you. This story is so that you can see your God is good. And any heart, at any time, that turns to him, he will respond, he will reward, he will heal, he will save. Amen? So, here's Naaman, it's just a grateful heart. Just a, and, and we have met all these different people in the story. So what I wanted to do is I just wanted to now look at all these different people in the story. And so I call them people in the pew. And so when you look down your row, you know, there's probably six, seven people, four, five, six, seven people in your row. And so probably, I hope, hopefully not, but maybe in a room as big as this with as many people as we have, somebody in this story reflects where you are right now when it comes to a spirit, a heart of gratefulness and thankfulness. And so let's just remind ourselves of all the people in the story. The first was the king of Aram. The king of Aram, now see, he was thankful for all those who helped him find success. So you may be sitting next to someone and your heart may be, I am so grateful for my spouse, for my best friend, for these people sitting next to me. You know, because they have really helped me through a lot. And I know there are people here who you, you carry thankfulness for what other people have done for you. And you say, God, man, I want you to bless them. I want you to heal them. I want you to, because of what they have done for me, they are my good friend. They don't abandon me when I'm hurting. They don't leave me. They don't desert me in in, in the times I'm I'm most in need. And so I know there are people who are here who, in your heart, you're so grateful for other people. Anybody in here like that? Anybody in here like that? Man, I'm just, I'm so grateful. You know, for these other people. While I'm speaking, if you're sitting next to them, just whisper in their ear, I love you. Thank you. You can do it right now. Just thank you, right? I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for what you've done to me. So that's one, right? Now the next one is the servant girl. And the servant girl in the story, listen, she was thankful even though her life didn't turn out the way she had hoped. As you look at where you are right now, man, I never expected to be here. I didn't expect my life to turn out like this. I didn't think that I would have gone through all that heartbreak. I didn't think I had gone through relationship failure. I didn't think that I would go through, you know, uh, being bankrupt. I didn't think that my career would go through. I didn't believe that maybe you're sitting at this part, and here's my question. What's, What's your spirit? What's in your heart? Here this young teenage girl who had all the hopes and dreams of living a very different life and now her life is very different and yet all she wants to do is bless other people anyway. And so I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand here but is that you? When you look at your life are you disappointed that it didn't turn out the way that you were hoping or dreaming? But do you still carry a grateful heart Are you still wanting God to bless other people around you? Even those who may be mean or an enemy or they don't treat you well, can you still bless them? The third person on our pew is the king of Israel. The king of Israel, this is such a waste. He had everything anyone could want but did not have a spirit of thankfulness. And so maybe that's you. And I don't, I don't have any big needs. I don't have to worry about where my next meal is coming from. I got a good job. I got, I got everything I need, got everything I want. I really don't, I mean, every, I, I can always use more. Everybody can always use more. Yeah, but, but I'm not grateful for those people. I had to do it on my own. I didn't get where I got because of other people. I had to work hard for this. I had to, and don't you try to take it from me either. I'm not doing that right? You know, this is rhetorical. No people like that who just live with that kind of a spirit? Man, hopefully that's not you. Hopefully that's not here. Hopefully there's no one here who just lives on the complaining side of life. Ten positive things, one negative thing, and what are they going to focus on? You call them up. How are you doing? Well, you really want to know? No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Lie to me and just say everything's good. And, and we'll go on. You and, and go to lunch. But if all you're going to do is fill up the hour telling me about how bad church is and how bad your friends are and how bad your marriage is and how bad your job is and how bad, I don't, I don't want to hear it. Right? People who have everything and still find a way to be better. Man, hopefully that person's not sitting on our pew. and then there's Elisha Elisha the man of God man when you think about it when you just when you look up and down your pew when you look around the room are there people you think man I really I really honor them because they want to live out the things of God they want to do what's right for other people all they really want to do with their life is to do something with God's name attached to it. And they don't need anything else. You know, that's all they want. Elisha was a guy, he didn't need anything else. He's like, man, everything I have I get from God. And that's enough for me. So thankful. So grateful. Right? And, 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 and he, didn't need any, he didn't need anything else. He's like, I'm, I'm fine. Just, just where I'm content. Ooh. Do you know anybody who's just content? And then there are the soldiers. I like the soldiers in the story. Remember when Naaman got mad and he got all upset and and he's he's deciding he's going to stomp off? Well, we sat outside his house and we waited, 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 waited. It's a four-hour football game, and when that game was over, I thought, then he's going to come out. But no, he started watching the next ball game. He still didn't come out. And then he goes, oh, is he still out there waiting? Well, just go tell him to dip in the Jordan River, and everything will be okay. And he's like, he wouldn't even come and see me. And then he didn't do any of that religious stuff. And all he's doing is complaining, and he walks away in a rage. And the soldier's like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Listen, does God have to jump through hoops to make you happy? Does he have to perform the way you think he should before you're going to obey him? Can you not just obey the simple things of God? Can you just not appreciate the fact that just real simply at its core, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And so the soldiers represent, they're thankful for just the simple provision of God. And I want other people to get that. Don't make it complicated don't keep complaining in your spirit. Don't make people jump through extra hoops just to make you happy. Or you're going to take your toys and go home. Come on. How long have you been walking with God? So the soldiers, they're just, man, just be grateful. If, he, if God would ask you to do something great, would you have done it? With the fact that it's so simple, does it really turn you off and make you mad? Do you really think that you should have gone to have to earn it? No one can earn what God gives. He just simply gives it. Tell him, thank you. That's the soldiers. And then there's Naaman. Now, Naaman, he's the one who's most changed in the story. From far away from God, didn't know God, had challenges in his life, physical challenges, had leprosy. Then he goes, you know, all the way in this long journey, And he has perceptions, he has to get past those perceptions, he has to humble himself. He goes to a dirty river and he dips seven times. Why seven? I don't know. Maybe it's because Elisha knew that if he only dipped five or six, maybe it's just like after four or five, you know, if I'm not getting any better at all, maybe he'll walk. I don't know. I know, I know if you're studying numbers in the Bible, I know seven is... Uh, is, is, a, is a great number you know just biblically but he did and man was God good to him and all, at the, after that all he wanted to do was give God everything I just want to give God everything I'm most changed I'm so thankful He, ch- the amazing grace of God and now all he wants to do is be gracious to others please take what God I want, and that's what you did last week God has been so good to you and your kindness spread out all over our community to all these other people who were trying to do a good thing for the Lord also. That is so good. Man, is that you? I, I think so. Man, aren't we changed because of what God did for us? And don't you wish the story ended right there? There's one more person in the story. I didn't put the slides in the, you know, in the, the sermon deck. But listen to this. Elisha had a servant himself. He had a young study. These young men, it's called walking in the dust of your rabbi. When these young men memorized the first five books of your Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and they went into what was called the Midrash. They would go through the study, and they wanted to become a prophet or a man of God. They, they would the, the prophet would face them and look at them, ask them a bunch of questions. Once they, they saw that they could understand theologically the things of God, they would say, come and follow me. That was Gehazi. Gehazi was walking in the dust, walking behind Elisha, learning how to be a man of God. But listen to what happened to Gehazi in the story. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God said to himself, my master should not have let this Armenian get away without accepting any of his gifts. As surely as the Lord lives, I will chase after him and get something from him. So Gehazi runs after Naaman. We should have gotten something. I deserve this. Oh, you do. When Naaman saw Gehazi running after him, he climbed down from his chariot and went to meet him. Is everything all right? Naaman asked. Yes. Yeah, Gehazi said. But my master has sent me to tell you. Listen how creative this liar is. But my master sent me to tell you that two young prophets from the hill country of Ephraim have just arrived. And he would like 75 pounds of silver and two sets of clothes to give them. you just make that up on the spot have you been plotting this is it always that easy for you to lie to be that close to God and still have a lying spirit like that oh by all means take twice as much silver Naaman insisted and he gave him two sets of clothes tied up the money in two bags and sent him two of his servants carrying the gifts Oh, not just 75. I want to give you 150 pounds. Take it all and take more clothes. And I'm going to have somebody tote it for you so it doesn't wear you out. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This way, fellas. And then as they get really close, but when they arrived at the citadel, Gehazi took the gifts from the servant and sent the men back. And then he went and hid the gifts inside the house. He didn't want them getting close because he didn't want Elisha to see him. So he stopped them before they were seen. I'll take it from here, guys. You've been so grateful. Thank you so much. My master's going to be so appreciative. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And he took them and hid them in his house. When he went in, his master Elisha asked him, Where have you been, Gehazi? I haven't been anywhere, he replied. Isn't that funny how you have to cover one lie with another lie? Don't you ever get tired? This is rhetorical. Don't you ever get tired of that? I haven't been anywhere. Elisha asked him, Don't you realize that I was there in spirit when Naaman stepped down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to receive money and clothing and olive groves and vineyards and sheep and cattle and male and female servants? Apparently, Gehazi had done this before. Because you have done this, you and your descendants will suffer from Naaman's leprosy forever. When Gehazi left the room, he was covered with leprosy. His skin was white as snow. You don't fake something of God. You don't start off on one path and then make fun of it. You don't. You don't take the things that are meant for God and hoard them for yourself.